Hello, and welcome to Online and Inspired, a weekly podcast for educators, parents, and those leading the way in the future of learning. I'm Emily Smith, founder and CEO of Teleteachers. And I'm Marissa Rothermel, special education teacher extraordinaire, or mommy, as my daughter calls me. We are on a mission to live inspired always and talk about our jobs as education innovators, aka modern day educators navigating all the things. We are here as pioneers in online education, firmly set in our beliefs in equity, equality, and balance in all things. We are proud educators, proud parents, and we are here with you every week to talk about how we embrace it all, from ed tech news to uh uh-ohs and boo-boos. Thank you for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe. In everything that we do, we strive to bring levity to the conversation. If you're not leaving this podcast with the same feeling you leave the workroom after some juicy banter we all love, we're doing something wrong. We're moving the water cooler conversation online. So let's get to chatting. Are you ready, Marissa? I'm ready, Emily. I'm caffeinated and committed. Let's talk online and inspired. Good afternoon. It is June 13th, 2022. This is Marissa Rothermel here with Emily Smith. We are online and inspired and I am hyped. I am ready to be here today. Emily, how are you? Well, with that energy, I am hyped as well. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, Talking about hype. Um, I have so much to talk about today. I really do. I'm, I, I don't know what happened, but I like got into, I, I'm, I'm trending and all the things. First of all, have you seen Hustle yet? Have you watched this movie on Netflix? The Adam Sandler movie? No, is it good? I saw it on there yesterday. It's so good that like, there's like a fake petition, I guess, going around telling Adam Sandler to never do comedy again, because he was so fantastic in this role. It is I'm, I'm going to watch it a second time and I don't really rewatch movies. Honestly, it was so good. Wow. Um, and I'm not like a basketball person. You know, I wasn't, it didn't seem like a movie on the outside that I would adore, but it is, it's like uplifting and heartwarming and it's feel good. It's so good. You need to watch it this week. I had no idea. I know. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to watch that. See, I, I need something to balance out like my mystery serial killer documentaries, because if anybody looks at my um, suggested (laughs) movies, they'll be very concerned about the well-being of you're going to be on a list. <laughs> You're going to be on a list for sure. So maybe I'll throw hustle in there and then, you know, I won't get flagged. You will not be disappointed. It's so good. I, I really, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I mean, laugh out loud moments, like cheering with the TV moments. So good. So good. You so. finally watched a movie. Like I, 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 I think it's the first one since April. <laughs> spend time in your house because I just get this, you know, as I think about your social life, I just see this little butterfly and her sweet little Nora just going all around Charleston. I'm surprised Uh, you were in your house long enough to watch a movie. So here's the deal. We sat down to watch this movie at 11 o'clock at night and it took us two nights to watch because (laughs) (laughs) yeah, um, we're just never home. We're just never home ever. It's, I, I haven't even put up my pictures from this weekend yet. We, COVID is hitting our, our networks really hard. And so we had all of these grandiose plans for the weekend 
And both Saturday and Sunday's plans got canceled due to COVID or possible COVID or illness of some sort. And uh, so we just kind of made it up as we went along. And I think we did even more than what we set out for. And we're both Kyle and I are today are just going, oh my God, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. What did we even do with our weekend? We did everything is the answer. We were out and about and it was fantastic. And uh, Dr. Palmer is coming back on our podcast today, and she was in my neck of the woods this weekend. We did not meet up, but she's been posting all of these Charleston pictures uh, from her weekend away here. She had a girl's weekend away, and I'm like, oh my God, what a beautiful area she's visited, realizing it's five minutes from my house. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, you still there? She flew back home this morning. She texted me when she arrived back in Albany uh, about an hour ago, and she is super hyped to come on the podcast again today, and I'm so excited to have her back. She's got a lot of great insight for us, for sure. You should have gone to Benny and Bo's, but I know that like a girl's weekend, like I'm sure she had it packed with. I'm uh, sure. I hope she went. I hope she went. I don't know if she did or not. I mean, she was definitely in that area. I went this weekend, of course. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. And you're totally right. And that, that butterfly just do, 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 do. That's us all over Charleston all the time. And it's so, so, so much fun. Um, But when I'm not doing that, uh, evidently I've found my way back to TikTok and this whole trend with this, my money don't jiggle, jiggle thing. I'm addicted. It's a problem. (laughs) Have you tried it? I'm this body don't dance, honey. Okay. I got, I got all the jiggle jiggle. <laughs> that, it's, that's, that's not a good situation. I have about the coordination of like a drunk turtle. Um, it's, it's a problem. So no, I don't dance. I peeked at the Macarena and I just enjoy watching everybody else do their little, you know, uh, I saw this one with a dog. There was a dog with tennis balls and there was jiggle jiggling. And I had to find out where this came from. Right. So uh, I, I looked up where, where the original viral, the viralness of this came from. And now I went on a whole nother tangent and it's from this little YouTube show called chicken shop date. Okay. And it's this awkward little British comedy. Their segments like six, maybe 10 minutes long. And this girl goes on a date at various chicken shops around Britain. And the, the guy who sang the jiggle jiggle rap uh, was interviewed on one of these. And I just, I think they, they crack me up. I mean, I don't know. Are you a British comedy fan? Like, is it no. your, yes or no? No. no. Yeah. It's it people love it or don't, right? You know, British comedy and it's it's of its own nature. And uh, my husband is not a fan, but I do have some friends uh, who are into it. So I was able to send this and be like, oh, go watch this, go watch this and laugh with me. And uh, British comedies, The Letdown is on Netflix now too. And that one is hysterically awkward if you're into that kind of comedy. And that's all about new parenting for the first year. And I don't know. Evidently, I've, I've spent some time on my phone and the TV, and I sat down for a few minutes this week. Wow. <laughs> so plenty to talk you. about. I know. It's so weird. It's so weird. But you I'm, must be busy packing. Aren't you moving? I'm moving Wednesday. Oh, my God. I thought it was, like, in a few weeks. <gasps> it's oh. Wednesday. Are you and I'm moving solo. So, uh, we've had a division of labor at my house. Uh, my husband is in Chicago for work all week. Oh my and gosh. 
<laughs> our lease ends. So he's packed up the whole house. So now my end of the bargain is, you know, uh, moving and coordinating <laughs> all of that. My mom is coming into town on Wednesday, right during the move. So I'm just so glad to have her in town. And yeah. we are, we're moving to an apartment that's closer to the beach. So hey. we've been, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. We've been in downtown Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, um, for about, you know, 15 months now. Love it. Absolutely love it. I, you know, it's, it's been wonderful, but, um, Maddie just absolutely adores the ocean, the beach swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found a nice little apartment, uh, much closer and, I'm going to have a home office. <gasps> Whoa, that's huge. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm so excited too. I haven't had a home office in a really long time because of the baby and, uh, well, now she's two, but I continue to reference her as the she's baby. She's always your baby. She'll yeah. always be the baby, but um you know, last week was her first full week at preschool. Yeah. I think she learned the dictionary (laughs) and uh, it's so fun to watch her blossom. And it's also so fun to drop her off and come back and make (laughs) coffee in my quiet house and get my day started. So what a game changer. What a game changer. Oh, well, I'm so happy to hear it's going well for her and that you've got this big, exciting move. You're going to be more at the beach, more at the ocean that, I mean, there's nothing better than your kid at the beach and, and having, we spent two hours jumping in the waves yesterday and it was so much fun. I I can't wait for all the adventures you're going to have. That's so cool. That is Yeah. I got to get some Tommy Bahama beach chairs though. I've been on Facebook marketplace looking (laughs) for these because I'm like, I'm going to get my gear together now. You know, you got the rolling cart. Mm-hmm. I don't know, have you, do you have your gear set up yet? See, no, because we are not for, for as much as we love the beach, we don't do like a beach day, which everyone thinks we're crazy, but you have to understand just how pale my husband and my daughter are, you know, they have bright red hair. You can't leave them out in the sun very long. There is no amount of hydration or sunscreen that will save them. So we tend to be evening beachgoers. So we don't ever set up camp. We just kind of go and stroll and splash around a little while, pick up shells, whatever. But, uh, the, the thing that everybody here in Charleston has is a shibumi. Are you familiar with these? Excuse me? (laughs) It's a shibumi. It is a wind-powered sun shade. You've got to look this up. I will send it to you. It is a blue, like two, it's like dark blue and light blue. And it looks like uh, the material that maybe a, uh, you remember in gym class, those parachutes? It looks like a parachute material. And somehow it uses the ocean's wind to provide the right shade for you. It kind of moves around. I don't know. Everyone has one. I don't have one. I've told I'm not a Charlestonian because I don't have a Shibumi yet. But if you go out on a beach, everybody's got them. Anyone who's going to be there during daytime hours has a Shibumi. And I will obviously be linking them (laughs) in our stuff this week um, on social media. But yeah, you're going to have to look this up. You need a Shibumi. It's 
it's a really, really cool uh, sun shade and it's super lightweight. I think it goes down, it's a huge, like six foot long, but it goes down to four pounds when you break it down and it's, it's really light. You can throw it in your wagon um, and they are really cool. They are really cool. So I'll send yeah. it to you. Have you seen those loungers that you just, no, we have those. It's where, haven't used them though. You um, open them up to the wind and they fill, the wind fills them. It's in, it's almost like a plastic pool lounger, but then it's anyway, I don't know this. Yeah. But yeah, instead of carrying your big chairs, you just, it comes in like a little six inch by six inch pouch. And you open this pouch up and you let the wind flow through this plastic thing and it blows up into almost a little couch lounger chair type thing. I have not seen this yet. That's really cool. Okay. So you get a Shibumi, I get a couch lounger thing and we're going to be all set. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really cool. Have you noticed that on TikTok that there's all like, they call it, you know, whatever the subject matter is talk. So there's like mom talk, Mm, mm -hmm. talk, you know, Mm -hmm. from cleaning tips. Maybe there's a beach talk. I bet there is. We said, you know, and if there isn't, maybe we start it. Yes. Yes. Sold. Sold. Do we have to dance? (laughs) I'll dance one time, Emily. One time. (laughs) No, it just brings back horrible memories dancing. (laughs) Like when I was, when my mom put me into cheerleading, when I was a little, you know, a little tyke and I could never get the choreography down. It was just embarrassing. Not my, not my gig either. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it took me months to learn how to somersault in gymnastics class. Like I just couldn't even figure that out, Uh, much less do anything cooler than that. Um, I pretty much, you know, mastered the log roll, you know, you just lay down and, and roll. And that's about the peak of my physical uh, activity for life. (laughs) How are these kids so coordinated? I don't get it. They, they memorize these dances and I guess it's because it's all I do these days. Not to <laughs> sound cynical, so. but I but I, I have no idea how they do it. Uh, that's one of the, my favorite things from teaching uh, late elementary and middle school was just all the dances. And we had this one student who just went around teaching everyone how to floss. This kid was the floss master. I'm telling you, he had the best moves and he was this little tyke. Uh, and it was just, it's so cool to see what, kids can do. And I can tell you, I was never that cool. I was never able to be coordinated like that ever. I do have to say that at church camp, we learned how to two-step and that was my go-to. That was my comfort zone. So at all of these high school dances, you know, I would just, you know, I was ready if anybody wanted to (laughs) two-step. And we had quite the country bunch in Missouri. So I know. bet you did. That's awesome. Yeah. We had square dancing in gym class in middle school. That was fun. I wasn't good at it, but it was fun. <laughs> Hot night, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, I, my sixth grade teacher was obsessed with the Macarena. I was in the Macar or I was in sixth grade when the Macarena was huge. And we literally had a class period devoted to learning the Macarena. I'm not kidding you as an entire class. And this would occur daily. <laughs> the end of the day, we would have like Macarena time. And I still, I wasn't good at it, but it was fun. And I made a lot of memories. And at the end of the year, of course, my class got up there on stage and performed it because 
we were all experts by June. So maybe, maybe you can bring the Macarena back to TikTok. You know what? Maybe I could. Is the world ready? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but I could try. I could try. That would really be something to see. My, my siblings would lose their minds if I got on there and, and TikTok to the Macarena. <laughs> I love it. Oh, speaking of dancing, I might as well talk about my uh, influencer that I admire for this week. And uh, that is um, at Shane Burkaw and his wife at Hannah A-Y-L. Okay. And they're an interabled couple. They have some of the best and funniest awareness raising videos. And I'm saying that I might as well talk about them because Shane uses a wheelchair. He is a author of Laughing at My Nightmare, which I believe is a book I've recommended on the show. And he has a pretty significant disability and uh, his, he, he's made no secret about kind of the, the judgments that he and his wife have received as, and, and she's often confused as uh, being his nurse, for example, because he does look physically different. And, um, but he's, absolutely hysterical. And they just did a, a video wow, last week, maybe the week before, and it was called Interabled Dance Moves. And they are some of the funniest dance moves that they have made up just to date. It's, it's so much fun. I definitely recommend checking them out. I'm going to link them in our show stuff today. And uh, they're, they're so, so much fun. So they are my influencers for the week. Do you have anyone that you want to talk about? I do. I want to talk about Positively Awesome Isaac at Positively Awesome Isaac on TikTok. Um, he's 29. He lives in Indianapolis and he has autism. He is awesome. There's <laughs> no other way to describe him. Um, he is so wonderful. And he is open about sharing everything throughout his day, his thoughts, his feelings, what he likes. Um, and anytime you need a smile, I, I bookmarked, I bookmarked his page to go back and his page is just, um, wonderful. I love everything that he posts. And he is wonderful. You, sh you shared him with me and I, I also immediately saved him because he's just fantastic. He's it's feel good. It's feel good videos. He so. is a great human being and I'm so glad that he is on my TikTok feed. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's see. Oh, you know what I wanted to bring up? It's pride month. I don't know how big pride is down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, but it's, it's becoming huge everywhere, which is so exciting to me. Uh, and here in Charleston, you know, you can't go buy a storefront without a rainbow flag on it. You, uh, there are events after event after event. And then I go on my own personal Facebook feed and friends from all over the country are out with their children at these pride events. And it is such a big thing now. And I mean, I'm looking back even, you know, say five years ago, it is not as present as it is today. And I'm just, you know, kind of applauding the world for, you know, the show of support that's out there. We were able to go to a uh, pride book fair 
about two weeks ago now. And there's just even beautiful books for children of all ages. We picked up this book called Pride Colors by Robin Stevenson. And it's a rhyming colors book with very inclusive photos, uh, you know, appropriate for my one-year-old. And it's just really awesome to see what everybody is doing to celebrate and raise awareness for Pride Month. And what's, what's the scene like where you are, Emily? Well, Miami uh, has a lot of festivities going on. Um, Miami Beach Pride. Um, they, I believe they're, the events start on uh, June 16th there, um, but it's a celebration of arts um, and there's, I mean, anything you want to do and see um, and they've just got a, a ton of cool things for people of all ages. Yeah. Um, so I... I mean, who doesn't want to celebrate pride on Miami beach? Yeah. Right. right? That's the, that's the place to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And Fort Lauderdale has, um, uh, a pride event in Wilton manners, um, which is a part of our community here. Um, but yeah, the Miami beach one is what everybody's talking about. Yeah. That, that must be cool. I'm going to be looking that up. You think the 16th. I'm going to be looking it up and, uh, and seeing what's going on there because I'll bet the festivities are awesome. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go to my first drag show or not. I've never been to one, but you can't go a block in Charleston without stumbling upon one at this point. And I'm going, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Nora really wanted to go to one this weekend. We were at uh, the Low Country Children's Museum and there was a restaurant doing like a drag brunch on Saturday right across from it. And honestly, I would have absolutely taken her, except it was deafening. It was so loud. I mean, windows were vibrating and, you know, good for the performers and all of that kind of stuff. But Nora was, she's like, I want to go. I want to go. It sounded so exciting but I just couldn't do it to her little eardrums. If I'd had, you know, earphones or something for her, then I I would have taken her. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that's on my list to do in June is try to get to my first drag show. That's the only thing that you haven't done in Charleston. It is. That's it. That's I've done it all now. (laughs) I watched a great movie. This reminds me of a movie I watched last week on Netflix called Dumpling. Ooh, Actually, I, I think it was Dumplin', Dumplin', but it's a movie with Jennifer Aniston and uh, her daughter in the movie um, is uh, vying for a pageant title. She's the oh local pageant director, and it's so funny um, and just really touching as well. But um, it's a movie about... Um, the daughter loves all things Dolly Parton. And so um, uh, the folks from the Dolly Parton drag show are the folks that help get her ready for the pageant. And then they show up and they do her hair and makeup. And um, I won't ruin the premise of the movie, but it's Oh, it's a good, good movie to watch. Uh, so. I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> Dumplin. 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 All right. I like its title. It makes me a little <laughs> hungry, but I like its title. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So you watch Hustle. I watch Dumplin. We'll reconvene. Fantastic. It's a plan. Yeah. Uh, we're about four minutes away from Dr. Palmer joining us. I'm so excited about that. But I wanted to make sure that we left time to talk books this week because I know we didn't get to it last week. And uh, I wanted to recommend, and I'm actually really excited about this, um, 
I, I recommend doing this as an audio book. This is my disclaimer because it is read by this very famous person. Here we go. The book is called Scrappy Little Nobody, and it's by Anna Kendrick, the actress. Are you familiar? You know Anna Kendrick? Yeah. Yes, and I've heard of this book. Yes, her book is fantastic, and she reads it. So this uh, is a book I actually read close to two years now. Oh, my God, two years ago. <gasps> time is flying. Um, it was my lawn mowing book. So I insisted on still mowing the lawn while I was pregnant. And ultimately, like I angry mowed the lawn two days before Nora was born. Like it was like a 90 degree day out. I was like, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to mow this lawn. I am huge right now. And that was right when I finished the book. So that's why it's so vivid in my mind. Uh, lawn mowing did not help the baby come out. But this book was fantastic. It was laugh out loud funny. Uh, it's a really good summer read. Uh, and it's just kind of about her rise to fame. And like you, Anna Kendrick is one of those actresses that I feel like everybody can can relate to just a little bit. She's charming. And that charm is 100%. It comes through in this book. So I suggest if you're mowing lawns this summer to listen to Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick. A lot of fun. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Noted. So, um, uh, talking about two books today, the first one I have not read, but it's by my absolute favorite fiction author, Hannah Orenstein. And I pre-ordered this months ago and Amazon just delivered it to me this week. It's called Meant to Be Mine. It's a novel by Hannah Orenstein. I am going to devour it as soon as I have um, a day to myself to do that. Um, but in the meantime, I am about halfway through a book called Prisoners of Geography by Tim Marshall. It's fascinating. It's um, 10 maps that explain everything about the world. So um, primarily over, it talks about um, countries in Europe and Asia and how their geography, um, literally the, uh, uh, you know, their lands and rivers and mountains and um, have forced um, the dynamics between the countries. And it gives, it, it's, it's fascinating to read about countries in conflict right now and see what the premise was for originally establishing their boundaries and what their motives are and, you know, tying it back to things such as land and rivers and sea access. So it's wow. like a, it, it definitely is a total opposite read. I was going to say, like, this book is very different than my book, Emily. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's totally opposite from your book and from <laughs> Meant to Be Mine, but it's it's cool. It's one of these that you can read chapter by chapter, so you don't have to, like, sit down and have a total day to yourself. I, I was going to say, I'm like, that. that's a pretty intense summer read, I have to say. It, that's fascinating. <laughs> I'm horrendous at geography. I have to tell you that I probably should read that book to get some understanding of the world because I don't have it. I, I blame this and it's completely unfounded. It's just my excuse. Uh, in the fifth grade, we were supposed to do this entire state unit. Okay. In the fifth grade, everyone was going to be assigned a state. And like, there was this big painted map out on the blacktop and this is a thing that you looked forward to doing. Like in the fifth grade, I'm going to get assigned a state. I'm going to know everything about this state. And that's how I'm going to learn all of my states. And my 
uh, social studies teacher went out on maternity leave. And so my grade didn't do the project. We did not get assigned a state and I never learned the 50 states. <laughs> I was it. Yeah. So thank God for the internet. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> you, you may like this book because it has plenty of maps. So as it's okay. talking, you get a good visual. So for a visual learner like myself, that, that could work out really, really well. How exciting. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, probably not while I'm mowing a lawn. And with that, Dr. DeVries, I'm going to say it wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. DeVries, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> wow, I'll get it right. On the third time, the third time you come on, I'll be ready. I'm going to just, I'm going to say it. I mean, for me, you're, you're Palmer. So I, <laughs> I know, I'm very I know. confused. The woman with a million names. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But hi, and welcome back from Charleston. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I cannot say, if you're out there listening and you want food, <laughs> nobody prepared me for that. No. I am completely shocked. Yeah. Like it, food like I've never had city. before. Uh, I think I ate all the food in Charleston. Um, <clears throat> there's definitely going to have to be a detox that happens now that I'm back in New York. And that's okay because we don't have your food. So I'm, I'm okay with that because that's true. literally I <laughs> have never experienced anything like it. So and I've traveled across the world and yes, I was very impressed with the food. Very yeah, impressed. the food is wild. And we are actually like a chef destination now um, where, you know, people are going to culinary school and saying, nope, I'm going to Charleston. So we have a lot of the up and coming trendy chefs and stuff. And in fact, we actually have a chef coming on next month. Um, and she's going to do a little bit of uh, food education for all of us. Um, uh, so one of our one of our Charleston chefs will be joining us pretty soon, which is really exciting. But uh, I'm so glad that you ate well and that you took beautiful pictures and you had a great trip and you were in my my city. <laughs> I know, and I didn't even meet up with you, which I, I know terrible about. It was a very it was kind of a you know a stop and hang out for a couple of days very quickly yeah. and then come right back. So that's okay. And you you know you have to come back now. You've tasted our food. You're hooked. So mm -hmm. did did you have she crab soup while you were here? I did. The very first night I was there, I had she crab soup. So fantastic. Oh, did you love it? Just loved <laughs> it. I, the, there was a moment when I had shrimp and shrimp and grits on Saturday morning that I was like, I don't know if I can go back home. <laughs> That's my favorite hands yes. down my favorite meal ever. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. Like I, it was almost, it was like it, it was almost a religious moment. I literally was like, where, where has this been all of my life? What, who made this? It was just in some restaurant we stopped in. It wasn't even on any list or anything. And mm -hmm. so yes, go to Charleston, eat the food. Um, yes. Amazing. Yeah. On that note, I joined a gym today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll report back on how that goes, but uh, Charleston, <laughs> Charleston and eating and no matter how busy we stay, you cannot work off what you eat here without going to the gym. <laughs> It is not possible. So join the gym today. I'll, I'll be tired next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we brought you back on here because we had so much fun with you last time and you have so much wonderful knowledge to share and, you know, not to, not to put pressure on you, but, <laughs> but you are our most popular episode really hands down oh. yes and your episode keeps like 
mini trending. I don't know how to say that, but like hmm. all of a sudden it'll circle back and whoop, there goes your episode again. And then it'll kind of die down for a few days. And then all of a sudden it's going to get some more hits again. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're very trendy. Well, thank <laughs> you. I'm like actually blushing. I didn't expect that. So I'm glad that people were able to listen and maybe connect with what I would, what my message was. So, yeah. and I really appreciate that you guys have asked me back on because these kinds of conversations are super important for parents and schools and educators. And um, I'm very honored to be here again. Well, we're thrilled. And I want to make sure that you have plenty of time to say all that you want to say. And uh, I know we're going to have you back on a third time before fall. It's going to happen. So, uh, but let's talk, let's talk what we're going to talk about today. We're here. We're going to talk about social, emotional learning, parenting, you know, let's, Let's get the conversation started. What would you open with? What do you, what do you want to say most importantly? Um, I think today's episode really, I wanted to focus on parents and okay. social emotional learning. I mean, we are moving into this summertime, right? And no matter whether your world doesn't kind of stop with routines because your kids go to summer camps or they have lots of sports or, you know, all of those things, it is a time when kids are maybe not full-time in school anymore. So I think the shift and the onus of a lot of stuff goes back to the family um, or to, you know, the households or to the adults that are, are in, in care of children. And so, you know, in thinking about that, and I also think that unfortunately where we are in our nation right now, this is again and again coming up as a topic of the utmost importance it in is. terms of all that's been happening. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be the focus to talk about today is, is you know, the social emotional learning. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was trying to gather thoughts on what to tell parents is that I often wonder if people know the difference between mental health and social mm, emotional learning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, and there is, there's a huge difference, but I think that they end up getting put in the same package a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. there's still, when you, when you even say mental health, like there's still a stigma with that. You know what I mean? Like we're starting to, as a culture say, you know, like I need to be aware of my own mental health, but at the same time, there's still, there's still a stigma, especially, mm -hmm. you know, in different, you know, age, you know, different generations. But so what is the difference? Well, I think too, you just made a really good point that I want to point out to people because we use three different terminologies for all, for something that's almost a continuum. We use mental wellness, mental health, and mental illness all mm -hmm. in the same breath often. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and really what we're talking about when we're talking about mental health or mental wellness or mental illness is that continuum, you know, one or the other. But it's, a, it's all about the ways in which your mind and your brain, you may be reacting to trauma, it impacts your mood. Um, it's just the way you show up in the world in kind of a mental, emotional state. So, like but it is, it is the end product. It is what we see um, at the end, almost. It's the after effect, so be, if you want to put it that way. Whereas when we look at social emotional learning, social emotional learning is a protective factor. It's something that we teach into. It's something we develop. Um, and what I really love about social emotional learning um, is the fact that it's it crosses all cultures, all people. Um, if you look at the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning, CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, if you just Google that, you'll get lots of information. Um, and there are five competencies. It's really just looking at human development in a way that is protective of our mental health and our mental well-being as we continue through whatever our trajectory is as a two-year-old, a five-year-old, you know, a seven, 10 to 15, and even into our 30s, 40s, and beyond. 
So, um, yeah, so that that's the real delineation between the two is one is almost preventative and protective. And one is just what you see show up when maybe things are any which way in terms of your emotional mood and well-being. I like that. That is wonderfully descriptive. <laughs> I really like that. I was, I, I found myself taking notes on my cell phone really here. I was like, oh, well, I want to write that down. That was great. <laughs> no wonder yeah. you're so popular, obviously. <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to say, I, I think social emotional learning too. I mean, oftentimes we want to do things that as educators, as parents, we want to do things that matter to the mental health of, of our kids, yet we're not certified psychologists or certified social workers, you know, and I, uh, social emotional learning, it sounds like is something that is, um, something that can be implemented by anyone. Yeah. I, when you think about the, so I mentioned before the five competencies, right? Which sounds like a really big term, but it's just kind of what I think we want for all of our kids as parents. And I think about them um, almost in three parts. The first two are really about identity development and really you're kind of like your own internal self. So we want our kids to have self-management, right? When we tell them not to go get that snack without asking, we want them to be able to self-manage that. Like don't go into the candy. You know, we want them to be able to make that kind of decision. Um, and we also want them to have self-awareness about who they are and where they're showing up in space. And so that's just two of the competencies. And that's a human kind of quality that you want to help your kids with. The other pieces are around other people and how we interact with other people. So relationship skills, um, you know, social awareness. We want our kids to have friends. We want them to make sure that they're, you know, interacting with others in whatever capacity and really drawing joy um, because I truly believe we heal through relationship with others. Um, and so we want our kids to have that. The other piece is that um, how we kind of interact with the world, which goes back kind of the candy piece around getting a snack when you're maybe not supposed to. It's that responsible decision making. We want our kids, no matter what age they are, to be able to inhibit themselves a bit and say, is this the right choice? And that, those are the five things that the research tells us in order to really be a protective factor around our mental health that we should be teaching in terms of social emotional learning. So they're not that hard to grasp when you think about it from that perspective. I'm giggling just because, you know, I, it's no secret that I have a toddler, right? And that whole, you know, that choice making that, that like, should I really be doing this? Nora has this face, you know, where it's like the, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. And I know that's like a classic part of toddlerhood, but it's this, the sneaky face as she's kind of walking the way that she's not supposed to. And then of course breaks into a full out run, but yes, that, that ambition about, you know, knowing what you're supposed to be doing or, or, or not doing. And it's just such a common theme in my house right now. I started giggling in the middle of your talk. <laughs> well, but. I think that's so true. And that doesn't go away by the way. They just like do their, their tells are a little bit different when they get older and they're like maybe sneaking a Dorito bag up to like the room <laughs> to play on the PS4 or whatever it is that they're going to do yep. around that. Um, but as parents, it can sound like, oh gosh, here's one more thing I have to add to my plate that I have to really work on with my kids. Right. But in the practicality of it, you're doing the work anyway. You're really teaching your, your children all of these things without even realizing that you're doing it. Probably what I would say to most families, and something I've worked on myself really, really hard, has been that, um, you know, this idea that being present is, or being, your presence, your actual presence is not the same as being present. Right. 
And so when you think about social emotional learning and you're really talking about social relationships and social awareness, um, I think we're losing some of that with social, with the, with the phones. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and so as parents, I would say, start with some agreements with your kids. So you can do this from when they're in elementary school, because um, I see kids with phones in elementary school, or even as in high school, have some agreements about how your family is going to interact with whatever that may be. It could be your car ride. Maybe that's all you get. The time you get together right. is your car ride from one place to another. And your agreement is going to be, we're going to turn off the radio. We're going to have a discussion and we're going to talk about things. Or maybe your agreement is that no cell phones during dinner, or, you know, maybe it is that you're going to steal five minutes before people go to bed or a check-in in the morning. So I think just showing up and being fully, fully present and having conversations and connecting in that relationship with your child is a way to hit a lot of these different skills that we want kids to have. And it's something really simple to do, but we need to check ourselves first. So is there like a dialogue that you're suggesting having with kids? Is there like, what, how do you use that time? Or is it just simply, you know, like, is it following whatever they're doing? Or are you really shaping a learning experience by, by like saying something? Like what, what does it look like for a parent? Well, it's probably dependent upon the kid's age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big one of always uh, having kind of building routines that become memories that are part of our family kind of like woven into our family dynamic. Mm -hmm. So when we sit at dinner, we have the privilege of being able to at least a couple times a week, if we don't have 50 million sports and other things or board meetings and other crazy work (laughs) obligations or traveling, um, we do a sweetness hour because inevitably, inevitably, if you sit your kids down, even from pre-K and you're like, what, how, what did you do at school today? How was it? Fine. <laughs> like, you know, I asked my husband, Hey, how was work today? Fine. I hate that word. Like, I do too. <laughs> so, you know, I, whatever it is for your family that helps you kind of like interact in that manner, like it could be sweet and sour. It could be the best part, the worst part. Did you make a mistake today? Did you learn something today? Just asking those questions in whatever time you have and so- really giving them full attention is probably the easiest way to do it. I love that. And I've never actually heard it called sweet and sour before. And that's so much better than what I have always called it, which uh, kids plug your ears really quickly. Happy crappy. (laughs) So that's, that's the name of the game for me, but it's, it's, you know, what's uh, I guess a sweet moment from your day and what was something that could have gone better? What was your sour moment? And I'll be honest with you, when my husband and I got together and first were just like talking and texting and all that, we played that game, like just as a talking point. And it was such a great relationship builder. I literally married the man. Um, so, so if you're looking for love, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but no, it, it's, it's so wonderful. Nora isn't quite at the age where I can play sweet and sour with her, but uh, you know, we have our own routines, like, you know, our bedtime routine where there's books and snuggles and that kind of thing. Or lately we've been binging um, the entire Frozen catalog on Disney. She's an absolute addict. And Olaf is now my favorite character because I've seen all of his work. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, having those memories um, and, and building in those those even couple minute routines are just so wonderful. I love, I'm going to call it sweet and sour. You changed my world today. You did. Aww. I love that now. <laughs> Well, and, and so that touches on the social piece, right? Because conversations, giving back and forth. So any child that you that you're, be, you're, you're able to communicate with, even kids who have different levels and types of communication, 
So you can have that kind of connectedness with. And I think within that, um, the other component around, um, cause you were asking like, how do you get to some of these kind of skills mm-hmm. is this idea of family agreements. I'm not one who likes this idea of rules or expectations because that feels very like I'm telling you what to do. So I'm placing what I value and what I believe directly on you. Now we all have non-negotiables. That's what I call them. There are some non-negotiables, but I do think that kids buy in more when you have some agreements of what the family rules, so to speak, are going to be, what are our agreements? And so having that, and that, that parents get ultimate say, or the adults in the family get to say the responsible parties of what is a non-negotiable. But kids can have non-negotiables too. And then you're teaching them some of that social contracting language that they need to have with their friends that they're going to need when they're middle schoolers or, you know, even fourth and fifth graders of peer pressure. So, you know, simple things around saying to kids, all right, what's our agreement about this then? You know, like what's our thought on what this rule is going to be? Um, But even something like changing that language and giving them a voice and discussing it with them will help their brain kind of think through scenarios of how socially they can approach it and be responsible in their decision-making and then upholding what is the kind of outcome in terms of if you break the agreement in our family. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and setting that up from the beginning, like have understanding, mm-hmm. like, you know, if this is broken, like you've kind of agreed on a consequence, you know, so they understand yep. the what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. I'm like, yeah, I'm smiling because I'm thinking of agreements that I'm going to make with my two-year-old. <laughs> and and I wish you all the luck with that. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, having these types of agreements, like she's not going to have the words to tell me, but she understands. Oh, yeah. So I think, you know, the earlier, the better on, on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it dives into so many pieces. I'm sorry, Marissa, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, and I just love that it's called expectations. You know, you're not making rules. It's not a rules chart for the wall. You know, it's, it's expectations. It's agreements. It's, you know, I, I love that that dialogue is even changing because if you walk into a classroom these days, you're, you very rarely see a rules chart anymore you know you might see like our class promises or something mm-hmm. on, on the on the wall and I just think that that's it's healthy you know it's healthy you're really teaching a child to think things through and to understand what happens you know if it, if well, it doesn't go their way and you're showing up as a human and and I know I said before in the last podcast we're all messy but our, we need to model for our kids and so agreements expand to everyone You know, when sometimes when we talk about rules or, you know, that someone is going to do X, Y, or Z, we don't always include the adults in that conversation, but an agreement is a community. It's a family. And so everyone is beholden to that agreement. So there's no exception to that. And so that allows that feeling of like connectivity that you need. And and then you're modeling for your kid when you inevitably mess up. So when I lose my temper because my two boys are in the backseat you know, fighting and punching each other and I'm screaming. And then they're like, okay, mom, we're stopping. We're stopping. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm screaming at you. I don't have the right to do that. Like nobody should yell, but right now I'm feeling sensory overload. My amygdala is firing. You are triggering me. I am. And they know all these words. I need to put, take a couple. And they're like, it's okay. Four, seven, eight. That's our breathing. Four, seven, eight's our code word, you know, four, seven, eight breathing. And I'm like, all right, it's just, it's too much. We're trying to get out the door. But I broke the agreement that we don't yell and scream at each other. Right. So they hold me accountable. I hold them accountable. And accountability goes a heck of a lot, lot you know, further than like consequences in terms of that. But we have to, as parents, we have to show up with a model for our kids, what we want 
them we to do. be and what we want them to develop. On that note, uh, what 478, what is this? Oh, so it, it, this is not mine. Um, I think it's been like, there was even something on, um, if you go YouTube, it, it like was helping people fall asleep. So it's an intake um, breath for four seconds. You hold it for seven, but it's really um, part of like your diaphragmatic breathing almost. You really okay. hold down into um, your stomach. Like you're really clenching your entire core because you're pressing on your vagus nerve. And so you're bringing your parasympathetic nervous system down because you're activated your sympathetic nervous system, which is cortisol and all this fight or flight. It's basically like when you hear your kid, mom, 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 <laughs> that mm -hmm. feeling you got is all of that cortisol rising and all of that. And so in for four, hold for seven, it presses on your vagus nerve out for eight. And you just do that repeatedly until it calms you down. So that vagus maneuver um, will actually help you get to a spot where you're a little bit more calm. So. That's awesome. I have never <laughs> heard about this. Emily, did you know anything about this? No, I've never heard of 478. I'm going to use it. I'm going to get tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> just teach it to Nora and she'll just be like, 478, 478. <laughs> and that's how she learned to count. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. 478. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. I'm going to totally look up the YouTube video too. That's... Well, and you're modeling self-management, right? Because the other components around identity and, and self-management this is the thing that I think that is hard for us as parents. We have to start to, our kids start to move away from us. And it is both the most beautiful and hardest thing that, it, that ever occurs. Yeah. Like it literally is heartbreaking and wonderful. So mm -hmm. as I've seen my kids get older and they're becoming their own person, you know, I'm not accepting them because I've always, they are, they are, are, you know, they're through me, they're of me and I've always loved them. But so I tell them, the more I get to know you, the more I love you. Because that's so true. I, I don't need them to be a certain way for me to accept or love them. I just get to know who they are more. But when we do things like really kind of lose our cool and then manage ourselves and talk about who we are um, and our personalities and what we like and don't like, that's that modeling that kids see. Um, and they need that too. They need to know that they're in a space. They need an adult. Um, so if you ha are struggling with your relationship with your child, because God, the teenage years are probably be the death of me. Um, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't even talk about the driving. I don't like that's the years. I'm just, it's not okay. But anyway, regardless of that, if you're really, four, seven, eight. you know, four, seven, eight, four, seven, eight, I hear it right now. Um, the reality is that we need to, we need to allow kids to find an adult. So if you're a parent who's finding yourself in a space that you're like, maybe that, maybe you're kind of beyond it now. Your kids are a little bit older. Give them the doorway or talk to them about who their adult at school is. Yeah. So that's super important in connecting it back to that school piece. Mm -hmm. Anytime I have a, a student in front of me, um, and you know, now I do lots of big things with like, I don't have a lot of student interface. Usually something hasn't gone well. Mm -hmm. um, and we're there probably for not a great reason. But I always ask the kid, maybe the kid didn't have really great responsible decision making in that moment. Um, and I say to that, I always say to that kid and I write a note, I say, who is your adult in your school? Every kid needs an adult because we know resiliency is built on a single adult relationship. It's yeah. part of that unknown statistic for all of us who work in schools. We don't know how many kids, a conversation, a relationship, all of that has built for others um, or what we've actually helped them with. They're the unknown statistic. 
And so as a parent, you really want to give your kids permission to have trusted adults in schools or your community or in your family who maybe they don't come to you, but they go to somebody else. And that's okay too. But everybody needs an adult. Yeah. I need an adult sometimes too. So, <laughs> so I, you're right. I have a therapist. You, so um, you have to have your adult. safe person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, right. No matter who that person is in your personal community, you have to have that, mm-hmm. that safe place to have the conversations you need to have, to let your feelings out hundred mm-hmm. percent. So speaking, speaking of feelings, you know, May happened, Uvalde happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of media co- coverage, of course, going on after this. It is very present in um, everyone's, you know, everyday life right now. And do you have advice for families who, whose children are kind of taking in all of this, this media coverage and how to have those conversations with their, with their child. I, there's, you know, it, it's a topic that I, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about, you know, as our, our in-house expert, if you will. Um, Cause it's hard. It's hard. No, there's no good way to process any of this for any of us, but especially for children who are turning on the TV and still seeing these things or, or memorials, et cetera, of, of kids, their own age or older or younger. What do you do? How do you, how do you talk about this? Um, I think that everybody needs to hear that we have to talk about it. Yeah. So please do not, not have the conversation. Yeah. Don't just turn off the TV and say my kids in kindergarten and not going to hear about it. Right. Because they will, because they're practicing at school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, you have to have the conversation first and it's not easy and it's not, there's no great kind of like, I would love to be able to just hand people a script and say, here you go. This will make it all better. There's no way to do that. You have to keep where your child is developmentally, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, you know, for younger elementary students, I think talking to them about the fact that they do practice things, that this is the reality. Mm-hmm. Yep. You'll read a lot of articles online about, and you know, and I think even the National Association of School Psychologists put out something recently that said, you know, really kind of comfort your children and remind them that they're safe. But I don't, I think we're past that now. Yeah. I, 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 because I can't promise my children actually something that I don't know. Right. But I can promise them that we do have procedures in place I promise them that we're doing, everyone is doing everything they can to make sure that they are not a statistic. Right. And so having that conversation um, and then getting to their feelings about when you practice, how you feel and, and some of that, and in that elementary type of way of like, well, how do you feel when you have to turn off the lights and close the doors and shut the shades and sit quietly in a corner with your friends for that amount of time? Right. Um, so I, I think you can, you have a purposeful conversation, set aside a time with your little one that is comfy, cozy, secure, whatever that is for you, whatever that time of day, evening, whatever. Um, and then answer questions. Just say, do you have questions? Because that might lead your conversation better than having talking points because your kid may bring things to you that you might want. And it's okay to say to your kids, you know what? I don't know. I need some time to think about that. I have right. to go. I have to go. I think we often want to give reassurances and solve things with conversation. And sometimes we just need to say to our kids, I don't know. I have to think about that. I'll come back to you on that. And then go back to them on it once you've thought about it. 
That is one of the best pieces of advice ever, because I really feel like that there is an expectation for parents to have answers to everything. And a lot of times it's internally driven. Like you're like, I'm the adult here. I have to have an answer. But it really, you know, it's something that when I was in the classroom, I actively practiced. I, I loved to have the opportunity to say, you know what? I just don't know right now, but I promise you, I will get you an answer. You know, let's touch, like, let's come back to it. And that is just so important to model that it's okay to not have all the answers. Um, so huge tip right there. Love that. Yeah. And you were talking about middle school. Well, and I was going to say across all, all ages, it's okay to have emotions. Yeah. Like you don't have to be stoic. You don't have to soften it. If as you know, even now I find myself tearing up. That's okay. Let your, let your children see your vulnerability mm-hmm. and then talk about how you're feeling model that for them too. So even if the conversation is hard and you're, finding yourself welling up, it's okay for your kids to see you cry. Um, it's really okay to talk about that emotion. Uh, the middle school piece is very interesting to me. I have a, I have a middle, I have now I'm going to have two middle schoolers, but my, my son who's in middle school, they this year did full lockdown police dogs. Um, they have a brand new middle school and they went through with, um, battering rams to try out the doors. So when they did their lockdown, um, they sent a whole email to us and they said that they were going to send the police through in full riot gear with the dogs. Um, the kids were going to hear noises. They were going to bang the doors. Um, and I think what, well, first what struck me when I talked to my son about it was how matter of fact he was about it. He was just like, Oh, this is just what we do. And he was like, yeah, like I, yeah, we would go back here. I would know what to, what to do or whatever. But when Uvalde happened and I had the conversation with him, which was a little different than my nine-year-old, you know, he just had a couple of little questions, but my 12-year-old, I think the thing that struck me is, you know, I said, so did you hear anything? And he was like, yeah, I heard there was a school shooting in Texas. And I said, yes. And he said, mom, how many kids were shot? And I I think at the time, and he's one of these like duly exceptional kids. So his mind's always like racing. He's, you know, got thoughts that I never thought he would have to cognitively, but you know, like he does, he'll ask really insightful questions at times. He said, how many kids were shot and killed? And I said, I think at the time, I, I, the number I think I gave him was 18. I was very, it was the first day or whatever. And I said, 18. And he's sitting right next to me. And he says to me, he goes, is that a lot for when a school shooting happens? Oh, wow. And I paused because you know what I realized, Marissa? Wow. He was doing the math. He was, yeah, he was doing the math of how many kids are in. He has all these hallways. He's in a very large school. Mm-hmm. He was doing the math of if this happens to me, what is my chance? And I stopped and I said, are you doing the math? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, but I think I'll be okay because those police could even get in through the door. So would that make the doors gunproof, bulletproof? And wow. I said, I actually don't think so. I don't know. And then we had a conversation about how he felt going to school on the daily. And we also talked about something I think is very important in middle school because he has this um, perception and the research has proven out that it's not true that kids who are bullied, the loners are the kids Mm -hmm. that are going to show up with guns. So he was like, well, can't we make everybody feel good? And I said, that is not actually the case about that, but you know, tell me how you're feeling. And we, so we talked about his emotions around it. We did talk about not bullying other students or Mm -hmm. what to do. But what I really wanted him to hear was if you hear something right because of social media, of any of it, then you need to say something. And I know some states have a hotline that you can call 
actually don't even know if New York, but I would encourage everybody to see if your, your state has a hotline. Um, if a child sees on social media or anything about an act of violence anywhere, because it's not just relegated to schools anymore, um, that you can call. And so I had that middle school conversation for me is to give him the empowerment that if he hears anything from anyone, but not to have in his head that it's the kid everybody makes fun of, that it's the kid that is, doesn't have friends, because literally the research shows us that it is not, that is not the case. Yeah. Um, and then your high schoolers might have a lot of conversation and a lot of thoughts on it in terms of it. And it might go even more into like the rules and regulations of our states around, you know, responsible gun ownership and all of those pieces. And so I think the high school piece can be a little bit easier in some ways, yeah. but your conversation might be more in depth um, in terms of some of their questions. They might have more pointed questions. Wow. That was, wow. That was a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm that that's, that's heavy stuff, but incredible advice. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. And I also, I don't know whether South Carolina has a hotline, but I'm going to look because I wonder if there is, you know, a list of here are the hotline numbers by states. Like, does this exist? And that's going to be my homework for when we, uh, when we hang up today, Emily, I know that you have a, a hard stop where you need to bow out, I believe. Um, but I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to say bye before I, before I steal her ear <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, you're wonderful. Thank you so oh, much. Thank for, you so much for having me. Thank you for talking about these issues. They're tough and they need to be talked about. And about five o'clock today, I'm going to get a text from my mom because uh, she enjoyed your podcast Aww. last time. And I'm sure she's going to be so excited to hear you again. So thank you so much. That means so much to me. Well, any topic she wants to hear about, just let me know. <laughs> Sounds good. That'll be for July. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Bye, guys. Thanks so much. Bye, Emily. Bye, Emily. All right. So we just had a really heavy conversation. Mm -hmm. We need yeah. to lighten it up a little bit. All right. Uh, so I want to hear a little bit. What do you got? What, what's on the docket for you and your kids for summer? Oh, well, we are summer camped up. Like I still work through the summer because I'm an administrator. I am, you know, 12 months and working all through and it's the busy season you're planning for next year. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but we do take time to take vacations because I am definitely a travel person. So we, you know, we go away to the shore, we go to Cape May, we have camping uh, with the Adirondacks in our backyard and all of oh, those yeah. things. So, and I think summer also is a little bit of a slowdown just in general. It is. Normal, and it's healthy. So. Right. Mm -hmm. It's healthy for it's everybody. Healthy. Yeah. The kids, it really is. The kids need that. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of adults just kind of need that mentality shift too. We were talking last week that, you know, summer, summer is a wonderful time for kids, but boys for moms and dads and, and caregivers, Boy, is it a busy season? There is something yes. uh, a little bit less relaxing about the summertime and, and having your babies with you all the time. And it goes um, by so fast. It goes it by does. so fast. It really it does. A hundred percent. So I wanted to make sure that you had some time to kind of, you know, have your, your soapbox, your two minutes, your, you know, what words do you do want to leave our listeners with today? Um, it's funny. You'd asked me this last time and I had something prepared and, and this time I really hadn't even thought about it because I was thinking so much about that social emotional piece, which mm -hmm. is really at the core of everything I really want to do. But I think that, um, no, I don't just think, I believe that these conversations that we've been having really, I hope people hear and maybe do a little bit of like, um, their own digging about how they feel and how they can show up for their kids, you know? 
Um, it might be so much as to kind of think about your own um, identity, your own self-awareness of where you are, and maybe think about your ability to apologize to your kids once yes. in a while when you mess up. Um, but I will go back to that whole idea that your presence is not the same as being present. I was hoping um, you'd circle back to that, to be honest with you, because it's just such an important message today. And I have guilt when I'm on my phone with my child. And that's really hard because I play Pokemon Go. So <laughs> <laughs> soon you know, she will be old enough to play with you. And, and then you will never see your phone again because they will be chasing around and begging you into the park to do Pokemon Go. So. We actually had a conversation this weekend about how young is too young to get her a phone just for Pokemon Go purposes. <laughs> can you have can a three-year-old rating? Can you have it on an iPod? Aren't those like some <laughs> little iPods that maybe they, you could do it on? That's why I said, like, you know what? Maybe we can put it on her tablet, right? And she can just go Pokemon in the park with us. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely understand that. So please, more about, you know, being present yeah. versus... Versus, you know, I and, and I don't know that until I heard that, I don't know that I had thought really about that, about how often were we just, uh-huh, yep, okay, okay, whatever, and that we're really not present for them. And then how that feels when you're yeah. like, because you know, what you'll see is, you know, when your kids are little, they're so all over you all the time. You almost get touched out, oh, you know, yeah. and even now, even now as my younger, like still, all, you know, constantly hugs and all of that, but as they get older you lose some of that and there becomes a physical distance that wasn't there before. And so you have to make that up. Um, and it, it happens without you even knowing, like it just evolves. It's like you wake up one day and you're like, wait, where did that, what, what happened? And so, you know, making just purposeful, it doesn't have to be a lot because we're all so busy. And I know that we're all trying so hard to make sure that our families are cared for and that our loved ones are, you know, that we're working and that we have a roof over our heads and all of these tough, difficult things that are happening in our lives, but that we are making at least a couple of minutes of undevoted connection to our kids and talking to them about what's going on in their lives, even if all they want to do is say fine to you <laughs> at right. first, you know, yeah, um, as my, um, a little behavior modification, as my friend Brittany says, um, you can kind of manipulate the situation with that sweet and sour talk or whatever it is that your family wants to, you know, put out <laughs> there um, and make that happen. Just do one small thing and it'll shift the entire kind of cycle. You'll get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard once, I'm sure it was in a, a parenting, you know, blog or something like that. And it stuck with me. And I, I practice this daily is that, you know, there, there are no more important minutes of the day than the five minutes when you wake, like when your child wakes up, how do you, how do you start their day? And then the five minutes before they go to sleep you know, how do you end their day? And like, I always make sure that that's our, our quality time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Obviously I strive for more moments during the day, but like those, those, that's our contract, right? That's our yeah. agreement is that, there you, go. you know, this is our undivided hundred percent quality time, um, where, you know, I'm all Nora's and like, there just nothing can interrupt that, you know? And so that her day starts off well and ends well. Um, and, and that being present, it really does. And, you know, you have to make that mental shift because I still have my phone in my pocket, but I don't touch it. I don't care if it's vibrating or ringing, you know, it's, it's her time. And, and that mm -hmm. being, that being present is just, just so important to try to consciously make that decision to do during it, during the day. So, that um, is just you. such a, a lovely, I, like I'm thinking about you and Nora, Marissa, and so I, I can see other parents being out there being like, 
well, what do you do when they get older, right? And then they're not there. But this agreement that you have as a family is that we begin and end our day with a communication. Yeah. So even as Nora gets older, it may look different, but I can just see even when she's off to college, yeah. you know what? I might need to text my mom in the morning. Right. I might need to call her in the evening to say goodnight, exactly. whatever, or, or to say goodnight. Like that, that, there will be an evolution of the agreement that you've made when she's little and it will shift and grow and change, but it will still keep the two of you connected no matter exactly. what your family is like or where you're at. So it's just those little tiny things wherever you can find space. It could be playing a favorite song in the car, and then that is your agreement of how you're going to spend the time. Anywhere you can make the space, just make the space. Yep. Yeah, we've we've recently with uh, uh, my work schedule uh, has, has shifted slightly in the most recent weeks, and she started sleeping in a little bit later. And I, I mentioned earlier that she's uh, now addicted to the Frozen franchise, and I don't know how this beautiful routine emerged but if it's just the two of us in the morning this kid will grab her bowl grab cheerios and she will just hoof it right out to the living room okay i know parents are going to come for me like what do you mean she's eating in the living room but and she will look at the remote she will look at me and she will sit there with her little bowl of cheerios and me and we will sit there and we will watch olaf for a few minutes and it's quiet and i will have my coffee and we will laugh together and it's just this this couple minutes, you know, of, I don't know why Cheerios are involved. I, I don't know how this, I don't know how this emerged, but she's got mm-hmm. this little routine and she expectantly looks at me like, this is what we're going to go do right now. Right. And yeah. it's just, it's quality. It's, it's wonderful. And it's amazing, you know, and we're not even really communicating during that time, but we're enjoying being together. And those are some of my favorite moments, you know, on the days that we do that. So it's, it's yeah. find those, find your routine, find your moments this summer, right? Hey, Listeners. Hey. <laughs> no. And, and as parents, you know, those routines are comforting, right? Yeah. So in our, so when things happen, tragedies happen in the world, lean into those routines yep. because they bring us comfort. And so that would be really, you know, as you're working through whatever it is that we're all working through as parents, lean into your little routines, whatever your routines may be. Um, I would definitely encourage everyone not to lose their ru- any level of routine over the summer if they can. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's tempting. Yes. It's tempting, right? Like, <laughs> so oh, I got tempting. a couple of weeks off. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to do mm-hmm. this. But as much as you can to keep some semblance of routine for all of the family, mm-hmm. uh, the parents' sanity will be saved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> because then now you're not fighting back against what will happen at the end of the not having any level of routine. Right. Um, and routine, again, can be an agreement. It doesn't have to be a certain specific structure of we're only going to allow something or not allow something, but um, just whatever it is. So it might be that you sit together and have a cup of coffee. I will. I'm sure you're talking about Cheerios. I'm talking about parents are going to come for me because my nine-year-old is a little bit obsessed with coffee. So he on, does get a little decaf. Um, we have pods and he gets a little decaf and he likes it light and That's sweet awesome. right now. So um, <laughs> it, extant, extant, it went from being when we were on vacation, he wanted coffee and I'd give him like a little bit mm-hmm. of regular. And now once in a while, he's like, can I have a cup of decaf? And we sit together and I'm like, okay, oh. but I'm going to give you a cup of decaf. You're nine and you got the taste for coffee. I'm not going to. He's my eat anything. He's very, very mad at me. I did not bring back any Carolina Reaper hot sauce. Oh, um, no. The store was closed. So, um, but yeah, you know, whatever your routine is, 
just, I love it. Don't, don't abandon it for the summer families because you will regret it come you will. the beginning of August, end of August, whenever your school will go back in, you will regret <laughs> losing the routine. <laughs> it is so important. Trust me. It's a million steps back. So when you have to put it back to go back to school and, and, oh, it's so much, it's so much. Um, but all right. Well, we should wrap up because we are well over our hour at this point. And I thank everybody for uh, uh, listening today to the wonderful advice of our Aww. guest today. And Becky, thank you so much for being on for Aww. a second time. I, I'm already excited for a third. You just you have so much knowledge to give, um, you know, both like in that personal and professional realm. And, and I can't thank you enough for for lending us your voice. Um, it's so much fun to have you on here and just to, to know you and learn from you. So, well, so thank I appreciate you. it. And we're, I'm learning right along with you. Like you've introduced some new things to me. So today, <laughs> so, and um, no, I very much appreciate the time to come and, you know, just talk about things I'm super passionate about and hope that it brings somebody something into their daily lives, especially with their, their kids or the people that they're, they're taking care of and loving. And um, so I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. We look forward to having you on again. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care, Marissa. Thank you for joining us today. Take a deep breath. Remember, we, the education and parent community, work better together. We innovate better together, and we don't need to be in the same physical space to do it. We are online and inspired, and we are so delighted that you have decided to listen in today. You can find us working to live our best lives online via our Facebook and Instagram pages. Search for online and inspired, or you can also find our personal handles and, of course, plenty of baby pictures. And if you're looking for a position in online learning, please check out our website at www.teleteachers.com slash join.html and follow Teleteachers on Facebook or Instagram. If you're a school district with provider needs for next year, please feel free to reach out to us at www.teleteachers.com or send us a message on any of our social media. Stay connected, stay inspired, and we'll see you next week.